0: Welcome to the Career Fit Mom podcast. For moms at any age and stage, this podcast will elevate your career development, fitness and personal growth, connecting you to the tools and inspiration you need to live your best life as a mother, as a woman and as a professional. I'm Beth Yarzab and I'm your host of the Career Fit Mom podcast. I'm so happy and grateful you're listening to the show today. Hello, hello. And thank you for joining me on today's podcast. We are going to be talking with Patty Green, a dear friend of mine about intuitive eating, and her journey through that, which was transformational for her. I absolutely love everything she talks about in this episode, kind of the 10 phases through intuitive eating that she has followed and she's very knowledgeable about this subject and she's you know been a dieter uh, for much of her adult life, as have I, and made it onto the other side, which uh, gives me great hope. So, I uh, think this is perfect timing for this episode as we are getting into the holiday season. And uh, sometimes, you know, when we overeat, we have regret, guilt, food hangovers, um, feelings of, you know, needing to punish ourselves with our workouts the next day. Or maybe I'm just talking about myself. I'm not sure if everybody feels this way, but this is me. And uh, listening to Patty talk about intuitive eating and more a more relaxed approach to exercise was very enlightening. And I'm definitely already using a number of these principles and kind of mindset shifts. And there's lots of room for me to grow in this area. So uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Just a quick update on what we're doing with Career Fit Mom. Wow, we've been really um, busy these last few weeks. Uh, so last week I did a webinar on resume writing strategies. I actually did two of them because the first one sold out and I loved this new format. So webinars are new for me. I'm hoping to do more of them because it was a lot of fun. I really like facilitating live events because I get feedback from people and I can see their faces if something is resonating with them or not when I'm on camera looking into a little black hole, I can't get that feedback. So it is uncomfortable for me. So I'm pushing myself through that uh, comfort zone, (laughs) so that I can uh, come and become stronger at doing webinars because I can reach a lot more people in that online venue. So watch for more webinars coming from me, I will do another resume webinar, uh, resume writing strategy webinar, probably in January, end of January, because that's really when we are a lot of people are thinking about starting a new career starting fresh. Uh, The job market is typically better in January once the holiday season passes. So great time to get your resume updated. And I have a couple clients that they take, you know, kind of a, a once a year refresh of the resume, whether they're looking for a new job or not. So it's a really good tip. So that when you are faced with an opportunity to apply for, or an opportunity knocks, a recruiter calls you, or there's an opportunity in your current company to uh, apply for a promotion, your resume is done, and you don't have to spend hours and hours on it, getting it back uh, up to date and optimized. Let's uh, get take this, you know, new year approach to refreshing that document. And then it's going to fuel into your other personal brand materials as well, your LinkedIn, which should not be a copy and paste of your resume, but can certainly Uh, compliment and support your resume. So you'll you'll write your resume first, and then you can fuel that content into new ways of expressing yourself on LinkedIn, how you interview and how you network too, how you describe yourself to people. So watch for another resume webinar coming up. And if you want to find out when that's going to be please go to careerfitmom.ca right on the homepage, you can join our mailing list. So you'll be alerted to when we have our next webinar uh, coming up. Uh, What else have we been doing? We've got our winter fitness term is going to be launching soon. So watch for, you know, our VIP sale is December 9th to 11th. Our early bird sales, December 12th. And uh, we are offering 13 or 14 fantastic classes, including a couple new yoga offerings. And uh, Nadine is going to be doing a karma class on December 6th for a new class she's launching in the winter, which is yin yoga, so more restorative, uh, slower meditative type yoga. And December 6th is, uh, it's an important day to recognize. Uh, it's the day that many women were killed um, a number of years ago in Montreal. Um, and so we are going to be taking donations on December 6th to donate to the Red Door Shelter, which is a woman's shelter in the Toronto area so please uh, sign up for that you can check out the event on our Facebook page and uh, you'll see how to register we only have space for eight so uh, if you're hearing this and it's uh, about that time please think about joining Nadine for that karma class we will have other karma classes happening the first week of January January eighth ninth and 10th I believe we'll be having more karma classes so you can check out the career fit mom fitness classes. If you are in the East Toronto area, we would love to have you we work out of a space called Oaks and Acorns on the Danforth. We're very proud to be collaborative business partners with Oaks and Acorns where we run our classes. And it's a fantastic space. We uh, have some mom and baby classes, daytime classes for after drop off and uh evening classes was as well as late as 8:30 p.m. as well as weekend classes. So we have a number of career fit mom runners running the Ten and Bomb 10k on Sunday myself included. Of course I have a Christmas party on Saturday night so I won't be uh indulging too much in the the wine and spirits but I will be um drinking plenty of fluid so I can clear fluids, clear water fluids, so I can run efficiently with my groups on Sunday at the Tannenbaum 10k, which is another great community event. It supports Centre 55's holiday hamper initiative, which gives uh, Christmas gifts, food, and other items to low-income families in the area. So this is one that we usually participate in. The last few years we've been doing it, Teresa comes out for that a couple other instructors. Um, This year, Helen has been leading our running club, and she's got three amazing women uh, who've trained with her to make it to this 10k. So they're, they're going to be very excited to run their first uh, 10k event with Helen. And I can't wait to be there to celebrate with them and uh, run my own 10k, which is the first um, event I've done since I've had my concussion. So I missed my June half marathon in Niagara I still went and I supported all of our career fit mom runners which was fantastic it, uh, it just didn't have the um, ability to run at that point so it's I've been slowly building up and have gotten to the 10k mark probably won't be my fastest 10k and that's okay it's uh it's still recovering still rehabilitating and getting my fitness back after having really done nothing physical for about two months in May and June. So it does take some time to to get back. I did book myself a half marathon with my sister in law, Amy, we're going to be doing a half marathon on April fourth, I believe in San Francisco. So we've got a girls trip planned for that. And I think I will encourage the career fit mom community to do the Niagara Falls Uh, Women's Half Marathon at the beginning of June. It's a fantastic event. It's so fun to run by the falls. So if you're interested in joining us for that, please reach out. You can email me Beth at careerfitmom.ca. Join our mailing list on our website or message me through Facebook uh, or Instagram. And with that... that's all of our updates oh i had four amazing fitness instructor specialist students go through my last course i'm starting my newest round of students tonight and my last group they all passed their exam i'm so happy for them they really were engaged students through the whole seven-week program they were even teaching some of our tabata class for us so it was uh fantastic to see them be successful in their exam their theory exam now they have to practice for their practical exam which is where they teach a group of people um, kind of like a fake fitness class but it really is a real fitness class and they have to be marked on a number of elements of how they take people through a safe effective fun workout and how they facilitate other people through that so that They'll be booking those coming up in the next uh, few weeks, and uh, just so proud of them for working so hard in the course and uh, and then passing their theory exam, which you need eighty percent for. So that is not easy. So those are the career fit mum updates for now. I am so excited to introduce Patty. Patty Green is a beautiful person. She's actually a neighbor. I met her recently when we moved to the town of Uxbridge. She's so welcoming and has this beautiful family. We, we really enjoy them. And I right away felt very aligned with her values and kind of her outlook and some of the interests she has uh, have definitely been similar interests to mine. So I had to have her on the show to talk about intuitive eating. It's something I heard about more when I was uh, at a eating disorders, Um, conference about 18 months ago in Toronto and I hadn't really known too much about intuitive eating before but it definitely kicks the whole diet mentality to the curb because we know diets don't work and intuitive eating is just it's a it's a phased approach to a new lifestyle where you're no longer dieting and you're no longer constantly thinking about food and counting calories or you know thinking about what types of food groups are are clean eating versus not clean um it's it's very holistic and very healthy <laughs> it's really how we ate as children uh so you know, before we had all sorts of rules that we were that imposed were imposed on us and we self imposed. So it's a it's kind of a back to basics, um, health routine, but it does take some time to get into the mindset of this new lifestyle for many people. So listen to Patty and in the show notes, we're going to have a ton of resources that she shared books, podcasts, that I encourage you to go deeper with and see how this intuitive eating lifestyle will work for you. Welcome to the Career Fit Mom podcast, Patty.
1: Ah, oh, thanks, Beth, for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Awesome.
1: So, Patty
0: is somebody that is using intuitive eating to as a sort of a lifestyle, and she's embraced intuitive eating. And so, I wanted to have you on the show because you're the first person I've met who's really created a um, healthy life for yourself using the principles of intuitive eating so it's something I'd heard about before through other podcasters and bloggers that I follow and when I heard your own experience this past summer I was just so enthralled with kind of your own journey through intuitive eating so I wanted to have you on the show today so I appreciate so much that you're here
1: Oh, well, thank you. I'm I'm excited to share my experience with it. I think if everyone, you know, kind of learned to eat this way, which is essentially the way we were born to eat as children, had the diet culture, diet industry not permeated our society, um, we would all inherently be eating this way. I, I truly believe that. Um, so it really is just that. It's a journey. And it's something that I'm still working on. Um, I've been doing it, you know, for less than a year now and there are ups and downs, highs and lows, um, but ultimately it has freed up a lot of time for me, way less worry about food, nutrition, um, and just kind of trusting my instincts around food and and movement and everything, really. Um... Wow, that sounds beautiful.
0: (laughs) Like I'm already just feeling a whole weight release from me as you're saying these things, because, you know, I grew up with um, uh, a a mom who dieted, Mm -hmm. diets still, Mm -hmm. and I started tracking my own food before I was even like, like, yeah, before I was even like a tween, I think, because Mm -hmm. I had really bad migraine headaches. And so I had, my doctor told me, my mom that I should track everything that I was eating. And so I was paying attention to it and trying to figure out what was triggering the migraines. And then as I got older, you know, I, I started wanting to lose weight and it was always on my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I think about the amount of time that I've thought about wanting to lose weight and then the things I need to do to lose weight and losing weight, gaining weight, and on and on and on, all of that time could have been
1: spent on, you know, on other pursuits. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So anyway, this story is unfortunately all too common. Um, You and I, I'm sure between the two of us could list so many friends that are struggling with diets right now, thinking they need to change their body moving, not for pleasure, but for, you know, um, I, I guess I'd call it vanity or, you know, in the pursuit of thinness or even the pursuit of health. Like people often say, I need to be healthy. I need to be doing these things for health, but really when it gets down to it, um, are you moving and eating in a way that is healthy or is it really for some other reason, you know, thinness, um, and, and I know there are intuitive eaters out there, um, but unfortunately, I think a lot of people still have this kind of um, mask on, and they won't truly be able to admit it. Um, and and I could mention this, you know, a little later in the interview. But one of the things that I do um, to help me identify is this: the diet kind of talk talking, or like my diet mentality. Or I I ask myself the question. Um, how is this serving me? Is this Mm. joyful? Um, is this food joyful? Am I eating it? Like what, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, it's really just comes down to mindfulness, um, which is kind of part of intuitive eating. And I, I know you've probably had experts on, um, discussing mindfulness. It's kind of, you know, weaves in really nicely with that. Absolutely.
0: Um, I know. mm -hmm. And yeah, it's interesting what you connected to how kids eat. I mean, when I had my twins, I had a hundred pounds that I had gained during pregnancy. And at that point I was definitely in like the harshest self-critical place in my life around body image and weight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I cannot let my daughters, you know, see how I binge, how Mm -hmm. I restrict. Um, I don't want my daughters growing up, wanting to diet I want them to love their bodies um and and it's just like this whole like I made the decision internally to help them through that but I don't think I really have like I I just think even without me saying anything about diets I think kids know like I think even in the womb they knew when I was binging on cookies
1: (laughs) like (laughs) It's it's uh, the unfortunate thing is, even if they're not getting at it at home, they're going to be getting it at school. Doctors bring up weight far too early. Um, And and once you dive into intuitive eating and kind of immerse yourself in this whole whole world, it's going to like kind of blow your mind. Um, because you see that this kind of obesity epidemic and it's, it's honestly, some of it's beyond me. It's really hard to explain. Um, but essentially it's saying that this obesity epidemic has actually been caused by the diet industry. So Mm. doctors, instead of prescribing, um, children to have healthy behaviors, they're putting children on diet plans, you know, at 10, 12 years old. Um, And really, they're just gaining weight that, you know, at a time where developmentally, they need to like, put on some more weight, and eventually they might, you know, lengthen out or the the truth is, we're all meant to be in different bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. the thin ideal is really messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's going to be people just like dogs come in all shapes and sizes, people do too. And that should really be a beautiful thing, that diversity um, but we're we're kind of born into the society where we say thin is better, thin is healthy, and um the BMI chart is what to go by. And I think we are, uh, you know, we're all getting a little smarter to the fact that BMI chart really should be thrown out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Th- thrown in the trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it's unfortunate because it's happening so young and there are more and more people Um, practitioners moving into this kind of intuitive eating health at every size um, approach, which Mm -hmm. is wonderful, but it needs to happen faster, so that we can, you know, save and preserve our children's relationship with food and body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe everything can be changed. But if we could start younger, and, you know, just let them be kids, and not think about body image, I think we could change the world.
0: <laughs> just, I agree. Yeah. 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 Just, so. just the own, the own heart, my own heartache that I've gone through,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, with it. Like it's, and now I have two daughters, so why don't we jump right into it? Okay. And you can tell me all about, you know, intuitive eating. So what exactly is intuitive eating? If you could break that down for me.
1: Yeah. So essentially, as I already mentioned, it's the way we were born to eat as children. um, But you kind of if you haven't been eating that way, you kind of have to take it back and and actually, uh, you know, map out a course on how to get back to that, you know, joyful, um, unbiased kind of way of eating. Um, So there are two uh, registered dietitians that actually wrote a book. I don't believe that they coined the term intuitive eating, um, but they kind of developed kind of a framework I'm going to say it's not a set of rules. It's um, it's a framework or a guideline um, from which to follow so that if you are a chronic dieter, uh, you can go through this process or journey um, and essentially make peace with food and your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it might be helpful if your listeners don't know what intuitive eating is, if, if I just give you a brief summary of each of the 10 principles. Yeah, that'd be um, great. I'll touch on them and I would really if you're if you're interested in learning more and I really hope everyone is, uh, you should definitely pick up the third edition of the intuitive eating. I think it it's just called intuitive eating, but mm-hmm. we can probably provide links on oh, yeah. Amazon in the show notes. In the yeah. show notes. And I have Absolutely. lots of other resources Fantastic, as well. Patty. So, um, let me just go through it and you can stop me if at any point you have questions and I might kind of like weave in some of my kind of thinking on each point. Fantastic. So the first, and this is, this is a real fun one actually, it, because if you've been a dieter, you have been restricting and this is fun and scary at the same time, but it is reject the diet mentality. So mm-hmm. essentially... Throw out anything that is diety, magazines, diet books, um, even social media accounts that say wellness type account. If mm-hmm. they are telling you not to eat something because of health, I just I would recommend just stop following those yeah. because it is everywhere. And it's um, unfortunately masked as this wellness diet, but it is still a diet if it's mm-hmm. restricting a food group. So, and you're going to say, but what about nutrition? And Mm -hmm. we get to that. That is, I think, almost, I think that's principle number 10, actually, Mm. um, nutrition. And I'll explain why in a minute. Um, So essentially, that also means if you have even one small hope lingering that there's a new and better diet, then it will prevent you from being free to rediscover intuitive eating. What if you
0: still have a hope, not necessarily about a diet, but a a hope, small lingering hope that your body might change?
1: Oh, so you know what? Uh, Okay, I'll speak from that firsthand because I I had that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that will be, that's a, a big hurdle. And honestly, you have to do a lot of you know, inner work on freeing that up because the one thing I can promise you is that there are no promises yeah. with this. Um, your body could stay the same. Um, some people do it and you'll stay the same. Some people lose weight. Some people gain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I'm in the category I I did gain. Um, although I threw out my scale, mm-hmm. um, I just know my clothes, I had to size up Um, But generally, the thinking is that if your body isn't meant to be there, like, we, we have a set point range. I'm not sure if you've heard of that theory. but Yeah, yeah, set point. So I believe right now, you know, I'm probably at the higher end of my set point, because and and maybe I'm not, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I know right now, I am supposed to be here. um, And I've, Just really had to make peace with that because I know ultimately I cannot handle dieting for Mm -hmm. my entire life. Yeah. So a lot of people really, really struggle with this. And I see this. There are so many Facebook groups, like support groups you can join. Mm -hmm. And I see this question unfortunately pop up so much. And some people, I would say, the faster that you embrace it, the faster that you'll get to your set point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's really a mental game and you, you need to do the work to feel at peace with wherever your body may settle mm-hmm. and also know that your body won't stay here forever either. So uh, like I believe there are studies that if we were not, you know, subjected to diet culture and, and weren't ever on a diet, most people would stay from about, there was, I'm so sorry, I'm really bad with, <laughs> with referencing studies, but I, I heard um, that most people stay within about 5% of huh. their body weight for their lifetime. So essentially, what's beautiful about that is your body will adjust, your metabolism will speed up if you overeat on occasion, yeah. if you undereat on occasion, like it all kind of just balances out. Mm. calories in calories out really has kind of been proven as a myth mm-hmm. um everyone processes it differently um and i could really tell you that over the past year i i know sometimes i overeat and it's like a deliberate action that's mm-hmm. normal eating mm-hmm. um And ultimately, like, my pants are still fitting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And
0: I, I experienced something similar, too, when I had my concussion and I was recovering from that May and June of last year. I, I, I haven't weighed my own myself. We have a scale in the house, but I haven't weighed myself for many years, which is mm-hmm. like a huge thing for me. Cause that was like something I used to do daily and track it like mm-hmm. ridiculous amount mm-hmm. of mental energy and emotion in that. So even just getting myself off a of scale was hugely freeing. And when I want to go to the doctor. I also step backwards so that I don't see it. She just writes it down.
1: It's such a, that's, a great tip for anyone that's struggling, um definitely do that. A lot yeah. of people do that, and it's so helpful. And you I do don't that with need my to know kids, your weight. <laughs> too. Yeah,
0: I know. Like we need to know the weight for our kids for their ski downhill ski bindings or whatever. Right. So I still make them. I get them to step on the scale backwards, and then I look at it and I just whatever mark. I don't remark to them. I don't compare them because they're twins. They have different mm-hmm. weights. That's normal. They have different bodies.
1: Yeah, but they're like absolutely. mom.
0: Whatever we don't care about the number. I'm like, no, you, you, you will. So yeah, just you know you... what?
1: That's really wise. Just protect them and say the number. Like the number has no like bearing on you or your worth as a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and just you know, I wish I had known that.
0: Me like, too. Earlier.
1: Oh God! In, gr-
0: <laughs> in grade five, our my one of my favorite teachers, but I hated him. In this moment, he we did some kind of like measurement unit in math. Yeah. yeah, Right. Okay. You know what I'm I'm going with this. Okay. So we're all weighing ourselves and then he's marking them down on huge pieces of paper with the name and the the number and then putting them from smallest to biggest around the room. Okay. So I'm, mortified because I'm definitely at the higher end Mm -hmm. of that. I'm going through puberty and then also grateful that I'm not the biggest. Like, and then, you know, everybody's judging, everybody's commenting, snickering. It was the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: There are so many cases of these kind of shaming practices. And I know that wasn't inherently what you're, that's not what you wanted to do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a real problem and bullying and the, imagine that happening today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, know. I I'm hopeful it's no longer happening, but that too. I I know so many people that went through that same yeah. horrifying experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so just back to my my concussion when I was recovering from that, mm-hmm. I I um was not exercising really at all because I couldn't when I was recovering. And I was very very sick and didn't have any passion in my body to move which I usually do and so I deliberately did not weigh myself and my clothes stayed the same they stayed the same like I didn't notice any different change like this is the beauty of what you're talking about with the magic of our metabolism like it just my body just knew even though I was lying around in bed sleeping a lot and I was kind of eating, like, comfort foods that I normally mm-hmm. would be like, ooh, I shouldn't eat all those cookies. But I was like, I need cookies. I'm feeling mm-hmm. so bad about myself. And and so, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like this whole thing, but it didn't manifest in weight gain, um, which was cool. cool yeah.
1: Cool little, tr-
0: little trick to see that happening.
1: Yeah. It's actually really interesting because, um, I-, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but our bodies sense... Mental restriction as much as physical restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it if you were you know at that moment in time you're just kind of resigned to the fact that you can't move in the way you normally moved and that you needed the comfort. Your body is so smart and absolutely it will just do what it needs to do to keep you at your set point. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, a lot of us, if we have been dieting, have probably increased our set point. <laughs> yeah. Um so a lot of times that's often kind of reason enough once you know the science behind it all and if you have been dieting then you know diets fail you. You you do not fail at the diet. The diet fails you because mm-hmm. diets do, do not work, restriction does not work. Um so you know what, the The best thing you can do to be proactive is actually become an intuitive eater or a normal eater um, because you will essentially cut your losses because eventually <laughs> you're going to push your set point, you know, just that much higher and, and feel even worse. Yeah. So it's better if you can embrace this now and just accept where you are, accept and surrender the fact that this is you and it's okay and you are human and you are healthy and you know glorious
0: (laughs) yes and with love
1: and self-compassion
0: accept and allow your body to be the way your beautiful body is and that's when true transformation happens that's when absolutely everything kind of just floats away in terms of all of the anxiety and stress. Okay, so let's, let's continue here. Yes,
1: I've got 10 to get through. So I'll try to speed (laughs) up here. Um, So the second uh, principle is honor your hunger. So this is kind of self explanatory. But essentially, if even if you feel like, oh, I am so much more hungry than I should be, like, what is that? then you need to eat. Your body is telling you, you need to eat. So with this, um, it's becoming, I I would say like mindfulness really comes into play here. And in the book, they will actually give you kind of a slide, like a scale of one to 10. And you you can kind of start to actually assign a number to your hunger and your fullness. And I have found personally that I do a bit better eating kind of, you know, small meals throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people do really well, uh, just pushing that to like three large meals a day. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually I might get there. But I do find that if I wait too long to eat, then I overeat. And that's pretty typical. So essentially, when you either for me, it was I start thinking about food, then I know it's time to start like thinking about what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it gets to the point where my stomach's growling, and I'm lightheaded, and it's just I'm out shopping. And um, usually I try to have, you know, something quick in my purse that I can stave off the hunger. Um, the other kind of point I would make about that is, uh, you can be very mindful in the sense that, okay, I'm really hungry right now. It's four o'clock and I'm eating dinner with my family at 530, but I am ravenous right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to have just an apple to tide myself over so I can still sit down and enjoy the meal with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas at the start, I, I, I do believe how I worked through it was... I was having kind of, I was definitely eating more than I am now. I, mm-hmm. I was hungry. I was kind of in a refeeding stage, I would say. Right. Um, and I found that I needed to have kind of larger, more frequent meals throughout the day. Um, so I would say at the start, you might feel a little chaotic and that you're always hungry. And that's totally okay. It's scary, but it's okay because eventually your hunger and your eating kind of will normalize. Mm-hmm. Um. So that kind of, obviously these all kind of fit together, but the next one, um, number three would be make peace with food. Um, so stop the food fight, give yourself unconditional permission to eat. And I guess this also is really fun here. You might feel like you are binging, um, and that can be really scary for people. Um, but essentially you need to bring your forbidden foods. For me, it was, (laughs) it was gummy bears. (laughs) Uh It was like gummy candy. Like I would never allow it in the house. Yeah. Um, Things that I would not allow in the house. And actually this is really helpful for families as well. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a big list of forbidden foods, it's not great for your children either. Mm -hmm. Um, And I grew up in a house much like this, my my mother is an amazing cook. I love her, and I'm so grateful for the way um, she fed us. Uh, however, I really do wish, in retrospect, that she had allowed more play foods in the house. Uh, yeah, um,
0: I love that term. When I heard you use that with your own boys, I was like, that is brilliant. Nothing's mm-hmm. bad, nothing's good. It's it's fun just food. food. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Some that's kind of what we use in our house now. It's play food and work food, and when kids are really young, it's kind of hard for them to differentiate. But as they get older, they too become more aware of how their body feels when they eat those play foods. Mm -hmm. So the point I would make in this stage is that sometimes this may not be the case with everyone, but I actually didn't feel super great physically in this stage. First of all, it's it's the point where you're like, you're probably gaining weight if you've been restricting. Um, And if you're really committing to this, this way of eating, then you really should kind of like attack it full on, I think. Mm -hmm. So you could bring in, if you you say I have trouble with sugar, Um, I'm addicted to sugar. I thought that was me and Mm -hmm. I could not have sugary things in the house. Well, the beauty of this is I bought two bags of jujubes the first yeah. time I went through the first bag in like two days yep. <laughs> um, and I did not feel very well. Uh, and then after that, I bought the second bag and guess what? I was kind of over it. It's yeah. called habituation. I believe okay. that's the term. So essentially, even those foods and this can work for children just as well. Um, those foods that are, you know, your trigger foods, um, they, the excitement wears off with, with everything. Uh, And I will tell you because we're through Halloween and it's the first year that I didn't feel crazy around Halloween candy. I had a few pieces. Yeah. We still have tons of it left in the house. And I told the kids the second day, um, it's just food. You can have it. You can take it or leave it. Um, We'll have a bit here and there. Um, And, you know, I really want you to, like, realize how you feel when you eat it. But I don't Mm -hmm. go on and on about it. And I treat myself the same way. So if I'm going to have a piece of chocolate, um, which I I do most days, like yeah, (laughs) um, I'll eat it and enjoy it. And it's pleasurable. And then I'll move on and not feel guilty in any way about eating it that's beautiful Um, mm -hmm. you need to take away that guilt Uh, it does not serve you and it's even if you eat the chocolate the mental restriction your body almost feels like it's on a diet so yeah no I hear that and this is the first
0: Halloween that I haven't been drawn to my kids Halloween candy and yeah I don't know if it's because I just decided I didn't feel good when I ate it I don't mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons why I don't feel good like I guess to me some of it is still the guilt about eating all their treats and sneaking it and kind of stealing it like I did that for years mm-hmm. and so and the thing is like I'm actually learning from them because they're not drawn to it it's tucked away and I know where it is they know where it is I think they bring some to school but then they're so cute because they're still asking me mommy can I have a <laughs> a treat how many can I have and they're 12 and it's like mm-hmm. when I was that age I was like binge eating rows of cookies secretly mm-hmm. and hiding it from my mom and being like oh I don't know where the, the Oreos went
1: uh, you know what yeah. as was I um, yeah. because our house was fairly restrictive for food um, yeah so that uh, this could be a, a whole other podcast but there is more of an intuitive eating approach for kids um, and it's Written there's a book. Well, there's several books. Um there's a a framework called the Division of Responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is um created by a a woman named Ellen Satter. Um, and essentially it is kind of a framework on how you can feed your family. Mm -hmm. Um the parents decide the what will be on the table, the what, the when, and the the where um so sit at the table and here's kind of the spread of food and we're gonna it's kind of a schedule Mm -hmm. um and they the children are in charge of the how much and the if they even want to eat it Mm -hmm. um so that's there's lots of great resources on that that I can share as well, Beautiful. Um, but essentially it's intuitive eating for your family and yeah. we are all doing this at, at first it was kind of just me and now I've taken the approach for the family and guess what? times are much more pleasant. We serve everything family style. If you're able to do that, that's great. The kids just take a spoonful of what they want. Yeah. I have to bite my tongue. because sometimes you're, you're like, oh my goodness, they're not eating vegetables, but it's a trust model. So, uh, you look at how they eat over a day, like the whole day or a week, even some people say months and years and they get the adequate nutrition that they need. Um, if they are not interrupted and restricted and, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. forced to eat certain
1: things. yeah. Yeah. So having been that, you know, super like nutrition focused parent and going to this other model, I really, I still do struggle at times. I'm fairly new to it, but, um, the Halloween candy is an example. The kids are still pretty excited about it. Um, I do ration it out, but I will say when it's on the menu and when it's not, but they're Mm -hmm. allowed to have it and they do not feel deprived.
0: Great. Um,
1: so you know, it's really beautiful and so much more peaceful for the whole family for Mm -hmm. our meals and snacks. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So I, I would say I have more or less covered the make peace with food. You may feel a little out of control. Um, but you usually feel out of control with dieting (laughs) Yes, Um, and you binge with dieting and that's a result of restriction. Uh, that last supper kind of over eating, yeah. uh, you don't have that anymore when you do intuitive eating because you're not on any diet to fall off of, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so the fourth principle is challenge the food police. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially like when you say I'm good for eating minimal calories and kale, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm bad because I had a piece of chocolate cake. Um and, and I guess that kind of gets into the mentality as well. Um we have this like kind of deep in our psyche, a loudspeaker shouting negative phrases. You're so bad. And you need to chase that away um and not have any guilt about anything that you eat. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty critical. Um especially in this day and age of social media, I think it's all over some accounts um, on like, they kind of like glamorize food and, and healthy eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you can't eat healthy and that, that, that does feel good. Um, but I don't think it's especially helpful in this diet obsessed culture. Right. Really. Where you're
0: glorifying like, yeah, the, the clean eating is mm-hmm. the only way. And if you're not clean eating, then you're dirty. And that, like, yeah. that that's sort of an opposing it, question there.
1: It is. And you can dig way deeper into that and it can get into like this big, like kind of open a box on feminism and, um, socioeconomic, you know, status and that people Mm -hmm. can't afford to eat this way. And that you are seemingly like, just, it's like a new way to say that you're rich and wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's unfortunate, um, that it's come to that and that now I feel the wellness industry has really co-opted the terms, even intuitive eating and, and an anti-diet and people firmly believe, I I don't think that these experts, like they think they are helping. Mm -hmm. Um, They firmly believe that they're helping and that their way is the right way. Um, But is it's truly not helping. And I will eventually touch on nutrition, um, it's not as though these movements, intuitive eating and body positivity, health at every size, that they are anti-nutrition. I think a lot of people say that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is definitely not that. It's that our body knows how to fuel itself. And eventually, when you get to that, like, you know, that peace, that peaceful feeling with food, you will begin to trust your body and hear the cues that your body is giving you, you know, eat more red meat and iron right now, Mm -hmm. you know, you need leafy dark leafy greens and your body will begin to crave those things again. Um, So it's really, you know, going back to saying our body is so smart and we can trust it. Do not, you do not need an expert to tell you, to do those things yes, if you, you need to trust um, yourself yes yeah so uh oh I may have messed up a little bit here but five is respect your fullness and I guess that was sort of in line with um honor your hunger um so your body tells you when you're no longer hungry I think a lot of us probably know the the facts about you know about 20 minutes and your body finally knows it's full mm-hmm. um I don't necessarily even need to get there. Sometimes I'm just quickly eating a meal and it's pretty mindless. Um, But I feel like once you become more attuned with your body, you are quicker to kind of know when you'll be comfortably full. Mm -hmm. Um, So you need to, they do recommend pausing in the middle of a meal and asking yourself how the food tastes and what's your, current level of fullness Mm -hmm. I don't even exactly do that I definitely do you know enter the food um sometimes it's just not and you're in a rush and that's okay it's it's Mm -hmm. it's a guideline and it does not need to be perfect yeah yeah so uh the next principle number six is discover the satisfaction factor and this was really really key to me uh for embracing this So I really try um, to, you know, think about what will bring, bring me joy and pleasure in what I'm eating. Um, And sometimes that looks like a piece of chocolate cake. (laughs) Yeah. Other times that looks like what I had for lunch yesterday, a huge kind of Buddha bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just what I was craving. And it's, It's the pleasure and the satisfaction that lots of other cultures have. And we in this Western culture um, have kind of set that by the wayside uh, when really if you sit down to a meal, light a candle, um, put on some like, you know, gentle jazz music and just invite yourself to enjoy the food. If you're not enjoying your food, you will never really feel mentally full. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And like,
0: I'm, I'm so bad for, okay, so I'm going to retract that. So my, my practice up until this point is, you know, definitely distracted eating. So looking at my phone, reading, and yes, if I Adopt this new way. I can see that it is definitely a mental break from the work day, and you know, trying to be productive all the time because you can be more productive after you take that moment or two to really enjoy and savor and notice your food and your feelings of your body around that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm going to stop you there for a second because. I do think um, it is totally okay to eat distracted. And that can be really helpful for some people, especially Mm. if they've been overly concerned about food. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes that can serve you really well. What I would recommend, um, because it's not realistic that we can all have a very mindful experience for every meal of the day, find one meal a day and start there um, I do not have a mindful breakfast I yeah. come up I'm getting my kids ready for school I've just worked out in the basement and I'm like I have toast with peanut butter on it <laughs> yeah and that's pretty that's my typical day Um, yeah. and then usually I find I have some more time around lunch Um, and I can sit down quietly and you know that's, that's probably, I also really enjoy our meal as a family. Um, we always kind of try to eat together at, at our table, um, mm-hmm. but sometimes we're running out to sports and we're kind of in a rush to get somewhere and don't feel guilty about those times either. It's not going okay. to be perfect. It's normal eating. Really. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I know because this is life, right? Yes. Yeah, so it not is. Not
0: every meal can be Mindful, so yes, Mm -hmm. it probably still will. Well, yeah, but it's 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 a really good point to consider, Mm -hmm. and thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. So number uh, seven is honor your feelings without using food. Um, I'm going to start here by just saying that you know emotional eating is sort of this other buzzword I've been hearing, Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are saying my problem is emotional eating, Um, and really. You should have compassion for yourself because emotional eating is really not the worst thing that we can use to cope. There can be many other (laughs) things that we can turn to other than food. So in a way, you should be grateful that um, you're emotional, emotionally eating. Um, It is a way to distract and numb and comfort. And there's really nothing wrong. Like food is comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the other point to make here is that we often do, you know, eat our feelings, um, anxiety, loneliness, boredom, anger, all those emotions. Um, really what this principle is trying to get you to do is, um, actually sit with those feelings and realize that food does not solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, it may make you feel worse in the long run, but, um, also, like I said, have that self-compassion for yourself. Like you, you're, you're going to have to do some work here, um, you know, meditating and journaling, uh, going for a walk, um, all those sorts of things. Um, a lot, a- some experts that are in this, this arena of intuitive eating, they have a real problem with the, this principle, um. I don't, I do believe it was helpful in my journey and still is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other day I was tired and run down and feeling quite anxious and I did turn to food more and I just said, okay, it's okay, Patty, it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Um, it could be worse. And the next day, you know, I felt quite a bit better. Um, so that's okay. That is okay. Mm-hmm. So number eight is respect your body. Um, that is essentially accepting we all have a genetic blueprint i believe that it's it's a pretty high number like that our body is something like 80% decided by genetics oh yeah <laughs> so it may be higher than yeah, that i think I it's believe at that. Least in the 80s so you cannot ultimately you know expect that this this says a shoe size of 8 would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size 6 so yeah it's really, you know, why do we have this expectation with body size that we can be that kind of 3% of the population that is naturally very thin. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what our culture kind of idolizes, unfortunately. And Mm -hmm. it is, it's probably very um, unrealistic to ever, it's futile. It's just never going to get there and you're always going to feel uncomfortable in your body. So Mm -hmm. realize that that's unrealistic and one way that I would find helpful to embrace this is if you can even find on social media body shapes and sizes that are similar to yours and follow those accounts Mm -hmm. Um, and even like clean up your social media feed and delete those bodies that aren't yours and like are you know, touting that thin ideal. Um, All bodies are good bodies. And we all come in different shapes and sizes. And that should be that diversity should be celebrated.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yes. I I teach this community based fitness class on Monday night. And a lot of the women have injuries, um, and they're they're fearful of movement because they don't want to hurt more. Mm-hmm. and there's one or two women in the class who are quite fit, and they do like a lot more exercise uh, to like training for running events and those kinds of things. So they're, they, these other women start comparing themselves to so-and-so who don't stand next to so-and-so in class because she's just going to make your, you realize how unfit you are. And I just kept saying like, movement is magical. Your body will appreciate the movement. I'm going to give you options. You don't have to jump. You don't have to do anything that hurts you. I'll make sure you have an alternative exercise to do and, everybody can move with joy and and become more fit and more healthy with movement. And so yes. it was, you know, but it's just getting over this like comparison. This fear. And, yeah, in comparison. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, there, it's, it's definitely de- with with fitness too, as well as eating all this stuff.
1: Well Beth, you just took principle number nine out oh. of my mouth. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's that's the next one. So essentially once you've done all these things, um what I found personally is I needed to take a break from exercise. Um, and I, I don't know if I read this somewhere or it's just kind of my own mantra, but if I'm eating something or like eating in a way or exercising in a way that I feel I can fall off of, like fall off of the wagon, then that is not joyful movement and joyful eating. So, um, if it's, if I hit the snooze alarm and then I feel really guilty (laughs) for not doing my workout, then I really need to like do some self work. Mm -hmm. Um, so with, with, uh, nine and 10, um, exercising is a, is essentially if you were going to do anything in your life, exercise is one of the most beneficial things you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, forget the way you eat. Um, Set that aside, feel in a move in a way that feels good to you, and um, you will feel more energized. Um, you just it, there's you could probably list off all the benefits, just oh, yeah, just yeah, in your yeah. body,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: so, you should incorporate joyful movement um, at some point. And a lot of people take a, a long time to feel comfortable, and you really should give yourself. Um, permission to take that time and and you know sometimes people (laughs) I I don't know some it didn't take me that long to feel like I needed to start moving again it was a Mm -hmm. couple of months and I I wasn't exactly like sedentary but Mm -hmm. um, moving as much as I did Mm -hmm. Um, and then I felt mentally ready and that it would serve me better if I had kind of a regular um, exercise routine. And it's nothing fancy. I just work out in my basement. I, I walk with my kids. Um, I do yoga a couple times a week. And it's not too vigorous, because that doesn't feel good to my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just really listen. And if I'm achy one day, then I will just sleep in and take the day off. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not any guilt that I haven't done something.
0: At this point in the interview, we did have to take a small break and we're going to jump back in in a moment. I just want to make a comment about Patty's approach to exercise, which was really an eye-opener for me, having grown up in the fitness industry and loving fitness classes and being very, having a very low body image myself, especially through my uh, teen years and into my twenties and thirties. And exercise was definitely uh, something that made me feel panicky if I wasn't getting a workout in almost every day, and sometimes multiple times a day. So which is not which is overdoing it, I was definitely over exercising for many, many years, to the point where I didn't have a period. So that um, had a whole host of issues (laughs) that came with it. So listening to Patty's approach about, you know, really, feeling her body on a day-to-day basis and honoring how she's feeling and taking a more gentle um, self-compassion approach I guess to her exercise routine I, I will always be the person I think who wants to push myself to see what new levels I can achieve however as I'm aging and you know getting through injuries brain injury for example with my concussion I'm having a way more, um, a kinder approach to my own outlook on exercise. So instead of, um, feeling guilty or bad, if I don't get a workout in, I enjoy that rest. And I, I know rest is part of the, the fitness, uh, routine. Everybody's needs to have at least one rest day, if not more. And every day is different. Some days you might be fighting a cold and you need to rest and you, cannot do as well in your workout so just to give yourself permission to do what you can in that moment and and try to find other ways just to to move in a joyful way you know walking is something that I'm really getting into especially as it's becoming winter here in Ontario so I can spend more time outside and notice and be mindful and be in nature and enjoy the movement, not for the workout's sake necessarily, but more for the mental break from the computer work or the coaching work I'm doing. So I'll let uh, Patty jump back in uh, with the next phase of the interview, but I wanted to just take a moment to express my own kind of feelings around exercise as joy versus exercise as punishment. So let's jump back into the 10th component of
1: the intuitive eating framework. Okay. So the 10th I've mentioned throughout this um, is honor your health with gentle nutrition. Um, And there's a good reason that this is left until the end. Um, And I'll be completely honest with you. It was probably this principle that made me originally not think intuitive eating was the way to go. Hmm. Um and that is simply because I thought nutrition mattered so much. Right. Um so the reason that they leave this until the end is because a lot of people do get hung up on nutrition. Um you know, like the wellness industry these days is all about nutrition and superfoods, this superfoods that and I was right in there with all of them. Um, I would say I'm a self-professed kind of wellness junkie Mm -hmm. Um, and that um, was part of my identity Um, and over the past year I've had to let that go and you know it's a little embarrassing when you feel like a lot of your life you've spent um, having these kind of values you know in nutrition and I was even preaching nutrition to other people. Um, so it's a little humbling, <laughs> but it's tricky. I mean, you know, the wellness
0: industry, the way you've spoken about it, it, does have more of a negative kind of imprint than how I've seen it.
1: You know, from mm-hmm.
0: my the most most of my kind of adult life, and I that's, that's tricky. I still, I'm going to really be critically thinking about everything that's sort of wellness. I mean, I my business is part of the wellness industry, mm-hmm. so it's like well what am i putting out there that's maybe not wellness right yeah. like not really wellness in a positive way
1: I, so yeah a whole a whole oh. spectrum of things fall under the wellness industry i'm not um kind of calling out every single company out there but certainly i think we all do have to become a b- bit more critical in the information that we're serving out there uh for instance i too belong to um, uh, kind of wellness um, subscription, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. just call it that. Um, and I actually, you know, in the midst of this decided I'm going to reach out to the founder, and just let her know that some of her things she was going to be offering a sugar detox. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Whoa, 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 hold up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I get um, part of it is marketing. And that's what people are looking for right now. A lot of people feel like They're addicted to certain foods. Sugar is very demonized, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I had a blog about shrinking the sugar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of um, it comes down to having the right information at your fingertips, being open and accepting of hearing this viewpoint, um, and ultimately, like, is this really backed up? I. I'm not great at referencing science but I know that this movement is very founded in science and mm-hmm. that is very reassuring to me mm-hmm. that um it's not just some some wellness guru that has just said oh this cutting out these food groups has helped me achieve health optimum mm-hmm. health um it's not wellness and he- health ultimately is not a one se- size fits all solution Mm -hmm. um and the beauty about intuitive eating once you get to nutrition as I mentioned before you're trusting your body you're trusting what it needs and ultimately have faith through this this process that you will be honoring your body with gentle nutrition Mm -hmm. um I mentioned my juju (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> obsession uh it happens to a lot of people and some people actually i don't know who coined this term but it's sort of like from diet land to donut land nice. and i think that's where a lot of experts have the hang up with intuitive eating is that they believe that you donut land is not healthy right but the pendulum kind of swings to the extremes at the beginning um and a lot of people live in donut land for, <laughs> for a while but the faster you trust the process and yeah. kind of surrender to that you'll get where you need to get um and and the sooner you surrender to that like your b- ideal body is not like your healthy body <laughs> really mm-hmm. uh the sooner your pendulum will kind of lessen that swing And you'll be somewhere kind of in the middle, like where I really truly feel I am right now.
0: Good. Um, So does it feel more just like moderation and not restricting, I guess?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I would say, right now, I still I'm identifying as an intuitive eater. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, However, a lot of people say it just more feels like normal eating. Um, and, And that's ultimately where I feel like I am today. Um, those days when I am extra hungry, I, I feed myself more. Some days I'm need to eat breakfast right away when I wake up. And other days I am not hungry till 10. And other days I know that I have a busy morning. I'm not hungry. So I'll have something anyway when I'm not even hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you know, just really listening to those cues, trusting the process Um, Realizing this does not happen overnight um, and donuts are are okay (laughs) to have, uh, McDonald's is okay to have one meal or one day of eating, even a week of eating, Um, not, you know, typical nutritionally uh, adequate foods will not make or break your, you know, your eating. Like, it's Mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm. you're not, it's not... It's not something to get so hung up about. Um, Especially if you
0: are really paying attention and you're noticing how some of those foods like McDonald's might make you mm -hmm. feel. And if you're feeling like lethargic and foggy head after, maybe that wasn't the best choice for you and you wouldn't be as interested and you won't be craving it because you've been restricting it
1: and not allowing yourself. And I'm sure you've experienced this, Beth, when you eat around a craving It really ends up, (laughs) I think this is, it just ends up that you try to fill the craving with something that's not say, you know, a cheeseburger. Oh, I'm going to make my own. And it tends to be that it's just not as satisfying. So Mm -hmm. you would have been better off just eating it and moving on and not having any guilt. Um, Which like, that's, that's unconditional kind of permission to eat. Um, and you do at the beginning, you might feel a little foggy, a little chaotic. Um, but eventually, I have faith, as it has worked for me, that you will find a way back to finding, you know, balance, a balance that works for you.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's different for everybody, which is the beauty of this.
1: It is. And it's different, you know, seasonally. And, um, you know, holidays aren't something to be feared a lot of people fear the holidays and mm-hmm. um, it's coming up for us you know and y- through doing this I would say most people will feel pretty you know relaxed and peaceful around the holidays it's a chaotic time in every other aspect why add um, the diet kind of mentality to yes. to that time and the other one that is hard
0: for me personally, and a lot of clients, is uh, going on holiday, especially a like mm-hmm. Caribbean holiday in the winter, because then it's like the leading up is restriction. Um, and, uh, foods and going crazy to work out your body mm-hmm. and then and so that you can get into a s- certain look for your swimsuits or whatever then you're on vacation and you're enjoying maybe more alcoholic beverages and mm-hmm. you know buffets and things like that and come back and have gained weight and then mm-hmm. feeling like then there's the guilt and the oh I just sabotaged everything on this <laughs> Oh, it's just yeah. this terrible
1: cycle. Yeah, it it truly is. I, unfortunately, it's a cycle. I've experienced it many times myself. And um, ultimately, just remembering that everyone loves you just for who you are and not for your body. If they love mm-hmm. you for your body, then that is a problem you you should probably really consider if that person should be in your life um, or mm-hmm. have an honest conversation about about it, you know a lot of people don't understand health at every size and that you Mm -hmm. can be healthy in truly any size of body. It's the habits and behaviors that we have that make us healthy, not how much we we weigh. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and interesting, you know, I'm going to share resources at the end, but um, I found it ever so helpful to read body respect and another book called health at every size, both Mm -hmm. by, Linda Bacon funny name for (laughs) Linda Bacon um it was so helpful to address body image um and also to understand that she has it's a very scientific book um but there's research showing that 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 kind of what would be considered a normal BMI I think it's you may know this better than me but 18 to 25 Mm -hmm. um group that would be considered overweight between obese and normal um, is actually healthier you know cardiovascular wise and they have longer lifespans than the 18 to 25 Interesting. so yeah it's really like there's so many um pieces of false information out there studies that aren't accurately represented And I have only just started to dip my toe in the water of of this whole (laughs) movement, Mm -hmm. Um, but it goes far beyond. It's it's reaching into feminism and politics and Mm -hmm. um, all of these, you know, big players that are really like warping our perception of what health truly is. Mm -hmm. Um, And if
0: somebody wants to try this out for themselves, they don't necessarily have to they don't have to go and even research anything or like, I mean, all the resources are fantastic. And this has been very educational, but I would say, start with just looking inside and start listening to your body Mm -hmm. and those cues and how you feel before, during, and after eating something and eliminate the guilt and eliminate the negativity and critical, self-critical nature of our thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I already mentioned this, but at one point I had kind of been exposed to intuitive eating. I think I had, I had the book Mm -hmm. long before I actually cracked it open. Um, and I truly just was not ready. Um, and now that I know about this and how much better I feel and how, um, life-changing it can be, I really want to shout it from the rooftops, but I've quickly learned (laughs) that, uh, I can't just tell everyone about it and just expect them to be on board. It makes so much sense to me, but I was really ready. Um, So have compassion for yourself. If you feel like you're ready, but you, you know, you don't want to go full tilt. um, There are tons of resources out there. Great groups on Facebook. You can join um, and tons of free resources, podcasts, there are so many podcasts, um, it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, you know, don't feel like it's, don't treat it like it's a diet, because it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fail at intuitive eating. It's all mm-hmm. normal. Uh, you just have to take your time. And I would say my experience, um, though not over, feels fairly quick um but i think it's because i was so ready and i dipped my toe in before mm-hmm. um but others it takes years so it's also helpful to surround yourself with community whether that may be joining those kind of free facebook groups there are many online intuitive eating programs um You could find a health at every size or intuitive eating body coach Mm -hmm. um, or a registered dietitian. Um, There are even um, health at every size, although I'm not sure, you know, in Canada, if we have that, that many resources yet, I'm sure you could find them online, but um, there are psychologists that specialize in it and Mm -hmm. um, it's really probably helpful, especially in the phase of the, you know, body acceptance and body image work. Uh, I feel like they're, that's really, really hard for people to get over since we're so exposed to diet culture daily. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my two cents. I did have a couple sessions. Um, I found someone in my um, area that was able to help me when I was a little stuck. Um, mostly I did it on my own, um, but it's certainly helpful. Especially when there aren't many people kind of doing the same um, lifestyle as you are to reach out to find that support that you need to get you through it. Because it can yeah. be a little daunting
0: otherwise. Yeah. When I went to um, uh, a conference, I guess it was about 18 months ago, the National Eating Disorders Institute of Canada, NETIC, I think that's what it stands mm-hmm. for, I'm pretty sure Linda Bacon spoke at that as like a keynote, which was oh, yes. totally fantastic. Um <laughs> I if, if she, if she I believe she's like gender neutral, if I'm if I'm thinking of the same yes. person. Yes, right. you
1: are right. Yes. So
0: yes, that was absolutely it who spoke, I guess. Um and it was fantastic. It was a and it was sort of like a just a opening of my mind around this healthy at any size. And it starts to really inform just how I put out fitness programming for our community. And so we've always, um, well, not always, but when I first started, it was a lot about like I had a weight loss program and I had Mm -hmm. like losing baby weight and all of these kinds of like tank top arms class and stuff like that. So definitely moving, moving away from that. But I know there's always more I can explore in around, community of exercisers and coming together with like in sort of fellowship in a way of movement for joy um, and and meeting other people and you know being in a socially dynamic area where you can share resources and, and have a laugh and never take yourself too seriously and and this is really truly a journey just as I've been in business for 10 years and my own mindset has changed through that time having been identified by my doctor that I have an eating disorder, a binge eating Mm -hmm. disorder. um, And then seeing the psychologist who then told me to buy the book about binge eating and like you with the intuitive (laughs) eating, like sat on my shelf until I had like a really bad binge. And then I was really ready and went through that um, kind of process and haven't had a binge eating uh, experience for quite some time, like years now. So Mm -hmm. I know it's possible and it's just being like, gentle with yourself and kind of like when those paradigms pop up like oh I I know it's Monday and I just ate like pizza and drank wine all weekend and I start feeling oh I I should be like exercising more and dropping carbs just Mm -hmm. to go remember like this is just your old habitual way of thinking and Mm -hmm. it takes time to make those changes so like hear that voice and then reject it and And it's not always going to be easy and it's just sort of being aware of when it's happening so that you can choose to make, have different thoughts about it and then your actions follow through.
1: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Like, I do think that we will come to a time in our lifetime, I hope, um, where things are, you know, more size inclusive, uh, body diversity is accepted. Um, that we aren't dieting um, Mm -hmm. as a culture so much, it may always be there. But I do also believe that there's so much to be said for forgiveness and we can all kind of take a look and say, that's just, that was just what I knew then. And it's not, I, I do not have to continue to wear that mask. I can be whatever I want to be. I can evolve and people will accept that some may not be ready for it but this is me right now and this is you know my program and I am evolving um Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of just being human I know (laughs) know?
0: yes yeah constant evolution and growth and if it's not that then yeah it's it's not a you know we want to have a live a meaningful life and I think that's part of it is going through these experiences and and being a different person when you come out the other side and then you're on to the next thing in a way, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but these ones stay. Like it this sounds like it's gonna be a lasting lifestyle for you. And I, I couldn't be happier that you've you've come through this. And I, I'm so appreciative that you shared this with me and with our audience. And yeah, so you have a lot of resources, Patty, to share. And I think what I'll do is I'll probably just pop those all into the show notes so people Mm -hmm. can explore some of those podcasts you mentioned and Facebook groups and the books. And um, this has been so helpful. I always like to ask people about kind of getting into a positive mindset because if there's, you know, simple techniques or tips that people uh, that I interview have that they could share with the Career Fit Mom listeners, then it might inspire someone else to to kind of take a new healthy approach to their own kind of mindset shifts to stay in a positive vibration. And I just wanted to ask you, like, is there anything in particular that you do to get into a positive mindset for the day?
1: Well, this is a very timely question for me because I have been uh, struggling with what I do believe is anxiety, especially over the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really had to kind of sit with those feelings and, you know, look at my day and how I'm laying it out and what practices that I have done in the past that have been helpful and what I may have kind of set aside saying, I'm okay. Um, you know, so I actually, um, when you kind of asked me this in advance, it's like, I really need to go back to some of these things. But typically, um, when I was starting out this journey, I was pretty, um, regimented in two things. And that was waking up early to practice a simple meditation, Mm -hmm. um, which I do still do um, almost every day, uh, just five or 10 minutes. I use an an app called Insight Timer. um, And I just pick kind of whatever I feel I need that day, whether it's self-compassion, or just, you know, present moment kind of with my breath. Um, meditation that always mm-hmm. helps me. Um, and it just kind of sets up my day um, in a more positive way than if I was to be woken up by my children. <laughs> I hear you. So, the other thing that I did, and I realize now how helpful it was, was just free writing, just journaling. Okay. Um, and one of the resources that I will share uh, specific to intuitive eating is there is an intuitive eating workbook. Mm -hmm. I have it and it's also sitting on my shelf. I tend to like kind of jumping off from my own points more than, uh, something that's guiding prescribed. Yeah. But I think a lot of people do find the workbook very helpful. Um, it, you could almost do it you know, separate from reading the intuitive eating book. Mm-hmm. Although I probably re- would recommend reading the intuitive eating book, some people start with the workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so journaling just on, you know, any hangups that I have had, body image was a big thing for me. Um, You know, leading up to summer when I was mm-hmm. starting it and being in, you know, different, uh, different size clothing, um, I was fairly self conscious. And I just, kind of wrote it out. Why, mm-hmm. like, why can't I have fun <laughs> in this body yes. and um, play with my, my children and be joyful with them? Yeah. So building on that, I actually went so far as to create a joy list. I've mentioned joy throughout this interview. And that's a feeling that I try to strive for um, mostly in my day. Like, I do appreciate the days where I feel down. I feel more joyful the following day. Um, But I have a joy list and I have like kind of a instant joy. And that could be lighting a really nice scented candle um, or, uh, you know, a more kind of long term joy, like picking out a good fiction book. Um, I listen to a lot of books and I walk and that's something I find really enjoyable. And I like to carve out the time to do that. Um, just getting out in the fresh air, of course, listening to uplifting books and podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I need inspiration, um, something like that, and of course, just calling or meeting up with friends. Um, Mm -hmm. So those all really help keep me in that joyful space. Um, And I try mostly to live my life in that space. Mm-hmm. So everything I do from the food that I am preparing for my family, will it bring us joy? Will uh, eating this cheeseburger bring me joy? It, will yeah. it not? Will, <laughs> will I not feel joyful because I'll feel lethargic after? And that's a really good place to, to kind of like measure if, it, if your approach is working for you.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that it sounds like a really good measure stick and I
1: mm-hmm. I
0: appreciate that very much. I I've been actually finding a lot of joy in doing laundry. Um, oh, <laughs> which is I know, which we'll get to in a future podcast, but my good friend Lisa and I are embarking on finding more conscious activewear for to share the those resources with our listeners. So, okay. um she she set me up with all sorts of amazing eco-friendly Laundry soaps and oh, lovely. yes, and actually just using certain kinds of um, resources like something called the guppy friend bag, which collects your microwaste. Um, so, anyway, there's going to be a lot more information on that. But now, as I'm doing the laundry, I'm like, don't, Pat, don't even touch the laundry. Like, you don't know how much joy this is bringing me. And it literally is because I'm like, I'm, I'm. I'm you know, helping my family. I'm impacting the environment in a more positive way. I'm reducing my carbon footprint, like all of these things. It's just mm. a mindset shift. I around. was going to
1: say, it's simple reframing. Um, yes. You can do it to anything really. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Even laundry. Uh,
1: yeah. House cleaning. You can say, Oh, I'm, I'm moving and I have a podcast or music playing and this is, you can make everything more joyful. Yeah. Um, So it's really kind of a beautiful way to approach it. And it wasn't initially how I approached my intuitive eating journey, but it is, it's evolved to this place. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, it does sound
0: very joyful. And I appreciate so much that you shared, you know, how you, you, you come to life every day. And as, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, you know, you just as a neighbor, I, from the bottom <laughs> of my heart, am so grateful that you, uh, you came on the Career Fit Mom podcast. And uh, I look forward to, you know, sharing all the resources that you're suggesting and getting the book myself and kind of having more conversations with you personally around intuitive eating in the future.
1: Okay, well, great. I, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I do hope that someone gets, you know, even just a little nugget of information that starts them kind of assessing where they're at and if they could make some small changes and, you know, give up some of that diet mentality talk in your head. <laughs> I
0: know. I'm sure it will. I know it's really impacted me. So thanks again, Patty, and have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: I'm so grateful to Patty for joining us on the Career Fit Mom podcast and sharing her journey and experiences and learning around intuitive eating, please visit the show notes on careerfitmom.ca episode 23, where you can find all of the resources that Patty suggests if you do want to learn more. And I really encourage you to imagine 2019 being the year where you really tap into your own body transformation through a gentler, kinder, self compassion, kind of way and uh, intuitive eating will be your gateway to that so I wish you much happiness abundance of everything good and many fun adventures to find me on Instagram please visit at career fit underscore mom on Facebook at CareerFitMom. And you can find me on LinkedIn and connect with me there too. I'm at Beth Yarzab. And uh, again, it's www.careerfitmom.ca where you can book a consultation with me if you want to talk about your fitness or career goals. I'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day. This is Beth Yarzab of Career Fit Mom. Thank you so much for listening today. I want to talk to you about walking, and I hope that maybe you are actually walking while you're listening to this podcast today. I got into podcasts when I was doing a lot of walking after uh, I s- suffered a running injury a number of years ago, and someone recommended that I listen to the podcast called Serial. That was actually a, an amazing true crime kind of. Um, story that was shared through a podcast. And that was the gateway for me into finding amazing content about all sorts of topics uh, through podcasts and wanting to start my own, which I managed to do in 2018 and have huge plans for in 2019 as I lean in to the podcast as I enjoy it so much. So thank you for your support. And uh, I'm going to jump into talking a little more about walking and the health benefits of walking and a personal challenge I have for myself around walking and getting outdoors more often. Let's get into it. I absolutely love walking and honestly, who doesn't? I don't think I've ever met anyone who is complaining about walking or hating having to walk it's something we do. It's something we aspire to as young babies, and then we take our first steps. We're, we're walking We're walking beings, and I walked a lot, actually, as a student. Um, when I was in high school, I used to walk to my school from my home, which was a pretty decent walk, like 40 minutes, I guess, and I loved walking through the park, and it was a fantastic way to just de-stress um, And and contextualize some stuff that was happening in my social circles and with with home life. So walking at that time was uh, hugely important to me, and just looking back, I can reflect on that now. But at the time, I didn't really consider it. It just was a means to getting from one place to the other. And then once I got into university and I lived in Peterborough, Ontario, uh, you know, when you're a student, you don't typically have a lot of money for a car so I was walking a lot of places walking and riding my bike but Peterborough was a great walkable town for me and I lived on one of the main streets and I could just easily walk across it to get my groceries and meet up with friends and um, hit the uh, cafe and you know find uh, parks and get by the the river that they have in the town so walking was a huge uh, piece of my life in university even just walking across campus from one section to the other to go to my classes and again something I just truly loved that Peterborough is a beautiful town for walking in and uh, I'm very grateful for that time too again it was just a the nature of the where I was in my life at that time but thinking back it actually was a huge way for me to de-stress as I went through uh, my university years and then once I moved to Toronto and I was i moved in with pat and we were about to get engaged and kind of we got married in our early years uh together in toronto we did have a vehicle for a while and then we didn't and i was taking ttc all over the place in toronto and that was that was fine and i would like to try to walk a lot more if the bus i was on this bus on dufferin street which is pretty busy um full of people trying to get on buses so I would typically if the weather was decent get off at um, the subway at Dufferin and Bloor and start walking south on Dufferin looking over my shoulder every few minutes for a bus to see if a bus was coming so that I could just hop on as it was getting closer and I didn't have to stand around waiting and I would get off the subway and ju- on Bloor and just walk and walk and walk uh home or walk to work I found learning a big new city for me, the best way to do that was actually on my feet, out walking, getting used to where things were and situating myself, seeing the CN Tower, knowing that was you know, directing me south and then sort of figuring everything out from there. And that was, again, another uh, huge transition in my life as I moved to an urban center, started my career, got married and was making new friends. Um, and mostly it was walking, just walking, walking, walking a lot. And so once we had kids and we moved to, um, well, as soon as we had kids, really, I was out walking with the stroller. Um, and then once we moved to East York, uh, near Woodbine and Danforth, Happy 2019. This is Beth Yarzeb, and I am so grateful that you're here with me today on the Career Fit Mom podcast. You may notice my voice sounds a little gruff this morning. Actually, I took a break from the podcast. The universe was telling me I should, and I'll tell you the funny story about that at the end of this podcast. But over the holidays, which we are just finishing, our kids are heading back to school now, It's early January, January 7th, and I did uh, not exactly feel like myself uh, in the second week of our holiday. Had some pretty bad chest congestion and was in bed more than usual, and it was fine. I'm back, top of my game again, feeling good, except my voice is sounding a little weird. So I apologize for the sound quality of my voice today. It's not as musical as usual, I guess. So, I am very excited about 2019. 2019 is 10 years in business for me. Career Fit Mom was born in 2009. So, I am planning all sorts of exciting celebrations this year and welcome you to join me on some of those. 2019 also marks the 20 years anniversary that I've been teaching group fitness. So, back in 1999, little Beth, little young Beth got her certification to teach group fitness at a first job at Good Life Fitness for Women in Peterborough, Ontario, ten dollars a class, and I gave it my all, man, I was awful back then, and it was just you know learn by doing, I took certification, I had an amazing mentor who helped me. She let me teach parts of her classes when I started out. So gosh, you, you feel like 20 years of doing something, you you have to be good at it. I really know I enjoy it at least, teaching group fitness. And I know I'll continue on until I'm into my 80s. That's my plan. That's my goal is to always be teaching group fitness because I just love it so much. And um, yeah, so 10 years uh, in business, 20 years teaching group fitness lots still to learn. And I'm looking forward to a fantastic year got big plans for this year. Now, every year I choose three words to guide me. And that helps ground me in my journey helps me stay focused on what's important to me. They're sort of words that are values oriented. One of the words for this year is integrity. And meaning for integrity, more around self integrity. So committing to doing something for myself or saying to myself, I'm going to do something and then actually following through on it. And I noticed a few months ago, as I started to, you know, learn more about this concept of self integrity, from another business mentor of mine, that I was not in self integrity, I was not living up to the words that I spoke to myself, yet I made many commitments to other people, and I lived up to them. And that's really important to me to do what I i say I'm going to do. And gosh, if I, I've got some outstanding networking connections I'm supposed to make, and that is totally weighing on me. So I got to nail that this week. Because when you're not in integrity, when you say to others, you commit to others that you're going to do something, and then you don't do it, or you don't do it fast enough oh my goodness, I don't know about you, but that just weighs on me big time. I noticed that I was not feeling the same way about the commitments I made to myself. And I should, because i am if I'm not in integrity with myself, if I'm not giving myself enough honor and respect and love to actually do the things for myself that I said I was going to do, then how can I be living the fullest life um you know i'm not even honoring my own commitments to myself so things like you know even just as simple as like drinking eight glasses of water a day or um whatever you know doing doing the podcast every week some weeks i didn't and if i'm going to make a commitment to myself if i'm going to say i'm going to do something i have to stay in integrity this year this is going to be life changing if i just do everything I set out to do, and also be mindful of what I'm actually committing to. So I don't overcommit, make sure that my commitments are realistic, like getting a podcast out once a week, and having hiring somebody to help me make it better and produce it so that it gets out to a broader audience. I can commit to that. And it's realistic because I know I'm going to get help doing it. So one of the other things that two of the things I guess that I'm staying in integrity for myself because they bring me so much joy every single day is committing to walking outdoors. That's number one. And number two is dancing every day. So both of those things light me up inside, they bring me energy, they help me grow, they calm me down. I feel like I'm just you know, expressing myself physically connecting to the outdoor world when I'm walking. So I am committing to doing some kind of walking, getting outside every day, and walking, and also dancing. So the dancing I'll talk about in another podcast. Uh, But if you know me, you know that I love to move to music, I think we all have that within us. It's an innate, Part of us moving to music, and we we have that as as little toddlers, you know, and babies just kind of bopping along um, to to music and to mom and dad's voice singing. And then somewhere along the line, we become self conscious, and we sometimes stop dancing. Uh, I never stopped dancing. I certainly became self conscious, but I'm over that now, and I'm I love expressing myself through dance. So. If it's just dancing in my kitchen, that is something I'm going to do every single day because it brings me so much joy. So this podcast is really focusing on walking. I I need help committing to that walk every single day, and so I started a walk challenge for the Career Fit Mom community, and I'm inviting you to join it. So if you'd like to learn more about the walk challenge, which is essentially a raffle, so you walk, we track it. It's not even about how much distance you go. Like I don't care. I just want you to try to get out every day and do some walking. Make it part of your routine, whether you're um, going out at lunch and and walking during your lunch break, uh, walking with your kids, picking them up from school on your feet instead of in your car, what have you. I would love for you to commit to the walking challenge. It's a 21-day challenge. It starts on January 12th. We have prizes, so that's why it's a raffle. So you're going to earn tickets for this raffle with every 5,000 steps you take, which is very easy to do in a day. I mean, doctors say 10,000 steps a day is ideal for health. So you're, you're gonna at least get 5,000. You might even hit two tickets a day by getting your 10,000 steps in. You don't need a fitness tracker. We're doing this all through your phone. If you have your phone with you while you're walking, it's automatically counting your steps because you have some kind of health tracker in your smartphone. Most of us are bringing our phones when we're out and about for safety and connection, maybe listening to music or a podcast while you're walking. So it's already counting your steps. You don't need to invest in anything else. It's all going to be there for you. And then I'm going to be releasing little challenges every week. And when you do a challenge with your walk, you're going to earn booster tickets. So you'll get more chances to win our great prizes, which includes, oh, there's a Reiki session, there's a hairstyle from Manzer Salon, there's a career inspiration session with me, there is unlimited group fit classes. If you're in East York, that will be of interest to you, you can come for the unlimited uh, rest of our our term, winter term, which would be five weeks from when this ends. So I'm just so excited to get more people walking. I mean, winning the prizes is a little bonus, but the actual benefit of this challenge is that you're going to walk outdoors every day, as much as possible every day, and uh, see your health improve. I mean, there's so many health benefits, physically, mentally, and emotionally with walking. And it's so easy, and it's accessible for you to try it. So Come along with me, join our walking challenge by visiting careerfitmom.ca slash walk. You can sign up there, learn more about it. I am loving my walks. I chose walking actually for my uh, staying and integrity commitment uh, this year because I know that walking and being outdoors calms me down. I love connecting with nature. I actually live my small town north of Toronto in Ontario is known as the trail capital of Canada. And I was finding uh, in the last few months before you know ending 2018, that there would be days going by where I didn't even leave the house because I'm doing so much career coaching and I'm on zoom and I'm on the phone with clients and I love doing that work but I'm finding it's easy to just stay indoors the weather is not great it's been quite gray and and damp you don't have enough snow to ski yet so I I just was finding that I was indoors and then horrified at the end of the day when I noticed I hadn't been outside so with this walking commitment I'm staying in Integrity I'm walking every day. I know I'll be at least leaving the house, which is really important and really healthy. And I'm going to be grounded while I'm walking. My favorite way to connect to myself to nature is, is through walking. And we do have some great walking paths here in my small town and all around us. My husband and I actually did a lot of walking over the holidays. And it was a fantastic way to connect like sometimes we would be talking other times we would be quiet and just kind of in our own thoughts Uh, but it's very calming and very grounding to to walk outdoors with my husband and I also love walking with with my friends I find that I have amazing ideas come to me when I'm walking And I think it's just the flow of it. It's almost meditative. And I'm actually going to do a podcast episode in the upcoming weeks with my friend Mitch, who has sort of his own take on meditative walking. So that's going to be one of our challenges. One of our booster points in our walk challenge is trying meditative walking. And uh, I I already find that it is meditative, I think, because my breath slows down. I try to calm my mind. Sometimes my to-do list is definitely screaming at me in my mind. But I try to just notice my surroundings and, um, and just walk in a meditative way. And I find that I'm calm. uh, I'm generating heat in my body. I like to walk where there might be a little bit of a hill, get my arms swinging that 90 degree kind of swing at the elbows uh, from the shoulders and really working it so I can go quickly Uh, to create a little bit of heat in my body and a little more energy and intention around what I'm doing. And just I love going up hills and feeling like my glutes engaging my hamstrings all down the back of my legs, all the muscles there. And I am actually no longer tracking my walking really other than having my my smartphone with me while I go. I am a recovering fitness tracker slash analytics addict. Because there were times where I would be wearing out my Fitbit because of how much I used it and then how I was tracking it every nanosecond of the day, it was just too much noise. And as part of you know my uh, tendency to um, become quite controlling around my food intake, my exercise output, releasing the tracker, the official tracker, and not caring as much um, not even noticing or checking my trackers uh, has been quite a gift. It's been very like just release, allowing myself to walk just for the purpose of walking. And and that's fine. So I'm not really tracking, you know, I'm using my, my smartphone in this walk challenge, we have a, a really cool app called social steps that we're using to connect each other to walking and to be able to see how often you hit those 5000 steps so that we can make sure you get your raffle ticket for our weekly draws and our grand prize draw so that's about it though i'm i'm really just enjoying walking for walking it doesn't matter how far i go as long as i just do it every day all right before i finish off uh, i would encourage you to join our walk challenge you don't have to be in the you know. East York area, just do it to do it. Like meet new people by walking. Join our community. We're gonna have. Um, we're gonna invite you to our social steps app. We're gonna invite you to our Facebook group for this. And it's just gonna be a fun way to feel the benefits of getting outdoors, getting that natural light on you. So important during this time of year. I I used to notice when I would drive my kids to and from school that. In the winter, I would feel incredible uh, seasonal affectedness disorder and my mood would be low, my energy would be low, my outlook would be low, and that is not me. So that is really scary when that starts to happen for me and I know I need to do something. So I realized a number of years ago it was walking in the worst days, the worst winter days. My cousin Matt, who I interviewed on the Muscle Activation Techniques episode, he says, There's no bad weather. There's only bad equipment. So I've taken that to heart and I've invested in long underwear, base layers, you know, great shells to protect me from the elements so that I could be outdoors because you do need that natural light and natural surroundings. When I started to, walking to pick up my kids from school and taking them to school instead of driving, first of all, the parking was always atrocious in the snow anyway. So it was just easier to walk as long as I gave myself that time. And my mood improved. Absolutely. Like I wasn't battling other parents for parking spots at the school. And I had that time to kind of ah, debrief with my kids on the way home on our beautiful little walk. And it, it was just fantastic. So that was when I really noticed the importance of walking and being outdoors in the winter, as awful as the weather is. And as soon as I embraced winter activities, and winter equipment, I was uh, in much better a much better place mentally. So before I finish off just my quick funny story about why I took a little break from the podcast over the last number of weeks. So I actually started this podcast back in December. While I was visiting my mom, I spend one night a week in Toronto, and I stay at my mom's house. And it's so fun. And she makes me breakfast. And this one particular morning, she made me breakfast and which was so nice. And I had to uh, head out to an appointment. But before I did that, I had some time. So she left to go to the doctor's and I jumped in her closet in her spare bedroom so I could record a podcast episode. And that's where I record my episodes right now so that I have the best sound, the kind of close buffer, you know, other echoing, other sounds. And uh, the closet at her house was a great way to do that, too. So I jumped in there. She lives in an apartment building and I'm going like full tilt, recording this podcast about walking and the joy it brings me when I start to hear men's voices in the apartment. And I'm in the spare bedroom in a walk-in closet. And I realize I've been caught. I have to reveal myself to the men in the apartment, which I then remembered were, you know, the superintendent and the painter who came to fix something in my mom's apartment and they had gave notice I read the notice that morning that they had a window that they were going to enter the apartment they most likely knocked didn't hear anybody and figured we were out so came in I mean the super knows me sort of but not that well it's like I'm not paying the rent it's my mom's apartment and I was so embarrassed it was the funniest moment I just jumped out of the closet scared the pants off both men like the painter looked like he was gonna hit the roof and this poor super looked like he was gonna have a heart attack he was they were just like whoa and all I could think of to say was I'm just doing an audio recording and it's the best acoustics in the closet and I'm gonna head out now because the super said oh would you like us to come back later and I thought oh my goodness this podcast needs to take a break I am not uh, in the mindset to continue recording. So I'm done. I'm out. I'm taking a little break and and that's fine. And so I'm coming back refreshed. I saw the painter later and he said that he's never had anything like that happen to him in his whole career of painting residential places. And that he's got a really good story now to tell his painting friends. So I'm glad I could provide that because honestly, that was like the funniest moment Before I end off, I want to share with you a May You Know Joy card. So the May You Know Joy meditation cards are something that I found when I was at um, a healthy, happy women summit in October. I purchased these cards from this amazing woman, Adrienne Enns. I'm going to link to her in the show notes but every day there's a card for you to pick from this deck of cards. Today, the one I just picked is, it says, may you know, fascination. And there's a little book, a little guidebook with the cards, which I'm going to read to you the message for may you know, fascination. That's just a wonderful way to end off our podcast today. So I'm going to find it. Okay. If you would like to learn more about Adrienne and her story and get your cards, people, these cards are fantastic. I actually use these at the end of my fitness classes now. I choose one person in the class to pick a card and then I read the message to the group and it's our, it's what we're supposed to hear at that moment. So here's what we're supposed to hear in this moment. Fascination. May you know fascination. May you remember the excitement and wonder of a child. May you let go of rigid ideas and look at the world with curiosity and ask questions. May you marvel at its magnificence and its intricate complexity. And may you feel gratitude for the capacity to know that fascination is a vital life force energy that allows for continuous exploration and discovery. Oh, that is perfect for today. So it's mayyouknowjoy.com. I'll link that out in the show notes. Uh, I'm definitely going to be continuously exploring this year as I walk. This is the year to walk. Please walk with me. Encourage me. Encourage your friends and family. Let's do this together. We are stronger as a group and enjoy the fascination that comes with your walks. So again, if you would like to join our walk challenge, it goes from January 12th to February 1st. You can join anytime. You don't need to join at the beginning, just join anytime. And it's careerfitmom.ca walk to join, learn more. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your subscription to the podcast, your ratings and reviews, and I look forward to seeing you on the next show.